Good afternoon, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about reasons for optimism, the real size of the Trump movement, and the history of Democrats continually screwing themselves once they are in total power. All next on Living with Liberty. Before I get into today's topics, I'd like to send my thoughts and prayers out to John Matz and his family, the, the CEO of Parler. Um, it, it, this is what we get when we normalize just this violent um, mob mentality and behavior. When we have our politicians that don't speak out against it, we've seen a total now lack of disregard for free speech. John tried to bring that with his platform at Parler that, uh, as many of you know, has been shut down now by really what looks to be a, a collusionary effort between some of the biggest tech companies in the world. Um, so I, I just wanted to send my, uh, my thoughts and prayers out to his family as they've been forced uh, from their home and, and are kind of, I guess, in hiding now by all the uh, reports I've seen. Um, and, you know, we just need to continue to speak out against just this uh, abhorrent behavior and, and uh, you know, keep working, keep holding the line for our constitutional right to free speech and, uh, you know, free speech by all. I mean, the, the, the platform is, has been, uh, I think, um, really mischaracterized as just a conservative platform. It really isn't. Uh, it's a platform for everybody. It just happened to have the conservative bent because of all the banning that Twitter and Facebook and these other platforms have been doing. Uh, it, it was a place where people flocked to and felt at home and, and could speak freely. So, um, again, you know, Patriots, we need to hold the line here. We need to keep denouncing this type of behavior, keep uh, pushing forward in in our quest for free speech and and keep John and his family, uh, you know, in our thoughts and prayers for their safety. So I just wanted to start today's show out, out with that. Um, I think it's, uh, it's important. And, um, you know, I know we're all pulling for John and for Parler to get back up and running here. So with that, we'll get into today's show. Um, t- today, uh, I want, you know, I've got a few things to talk about really, uh, hopefully you'll find a beam, uh, find them being more, uh, optimistic than anything else. Um, not to say we don't have uh, an uphill battle here, because we certainly do, but I think we have some reasons for optimism as we move forward here in four days to Inauguration Day. Um, you know, really, we do have our work cut out for us. That's that's no doubt. Um, we need to uh, We need to stick. We have a lot to do. We have to stick with it. Uh, we will really be facing really, uh, uh, at this point, um, an up Mount Everest type battle over the, at least the next couple of years as the Democrats and their tech allies will no doubt continue their assault on our constitutional rights and liberties. We have a couple of choices here. We can either throw in the towel and accept our fate as our country slips into a one party technocracy, or we can continue to fight on demonstrate resourcefulness, and press uh, our local and state governments to do their jobs, to stand up for us, to do what's right, 
to do what we elected them to do. We also need to keep our optimism high and draw from uh, history, really, to keep fueling our fire. We need to organize as we never have before as conservatives, and we need to be intentional and disciplined in organizing ourselves, our friends, our family, and our other acquaintances that we you know, meet through social media that all share our similar values. And we need to do this to, uh, to, to push ahead to inflict substantial material harm to the likes of the Amazons, Googles, Apples, Facebooks, and Twitters of the world. Now, I realize not everyone will be able to drop all of them due to either contractual obligations or business obligations. I know there's many out there that that have been forced to really make a deal with the devil and signing up and, and having your business out on, on Amazon. Uh, certainly understand that. You have to do what you've got to do to, to, um, to you know, get by. Uh, I think there's still opportunity, though, for all of us to do a little part, a little piece to help advance the cause. We may not be able to dump all of those big tech companies, but we can band together and, and, you know, dump a few of them. Some of us might be able to do all of them. Some of us won. And, you know, that's okay. We'll, we'll still be able to, to uh, move the cause forward and, and still, uh, you know, inflict some, inflict some material harm on, on these companies. The other thing here is we must not easily forgive and forget what we've endured as a nation and really as conservatives call it from the Obama administration on to present day and now beyond, obviously, as well as what reasons we have for optimism going forward. All of this will require all of us taking some sort of action. And remember, it doesn't have to be big. Every little bit helps as it all adds up in the end to a big result if we're disciplined in our organizing and disciplined in uh, how we're going about things and, and, you know, consistent in our approach to making sure our, our elected officials are accountable to us. We really are a team. We will have our differences, no doubt, but in the end we are a team and we have to have that cohesiveness and, uh, discipline to move forward in, you know, if we ever hope to to kind of regain our foothold at a national level. Now, the first thing I have here is an American Thinker piece by David Atwood titled, Why the Right Will Never Forgive Nor Forget. I will put the link in the description box. We need to stop forgiving the Democratic Party. That should be pretty easy now. Uh, they really aren't hiding what their agenda is anymore. Honestly, we need to stop forgiving the fec- uh, those feckless rhinos, too. We need to primary them if we aren't happy with their uh, record, with their voting decisions. Uh, if they're not in, in there uh, fighting for our interests, we need to primary them. We need to let them know we're not happy. We need to stop just pulling the handle because they're the only one running or, you know, they're the only one with the R next to, or the, uh, next to their name. And we need to remember that our fight is for our constitution, our morals, and our conservative values. We must avoid 
getting caught up in the emotional rhetoric of the left. We must avoid getting caught up in just the anger and strife that leads to violence. That only hurts our cause. It doesn't help our cause. The left glorifies it, but honestly, it's not helping their cause either. Now, Atwood makes this point uh, with the emotional pleas and rhetoric of the left, as he says uh, that liberals tend to select and vote for candidates based on emotionally driven needs and wants that are subject to change and often lead to disastrous policies with horrendous unintended consequences. Now think about some of this for a a second here. Obamacare, what did we hear there? You can keep your doctor. Well, no, that wasn't true. Many had to switch doctors and rebuild that familiarity that they had built up over years with the same doctor. And, you know, that's not an easy change. It, It takes time. Now, really, think about kind of just Obama's overall emotional plea to hope and change. What really changed through all that? We saw just a scandalous uh, administration for eight years, a lot of which has come to light in the last four years with just the uh, probe into Michael Flynn, the all these hoaxes, Joe Biden's just dirty deals over the years. You know, as much as Obama said it was a scandal-free administration, it, I think as as things come to light here, it will be probably viewed as one of the most uh, uh, scandalous administrations in our history. And let's look at uh, also liberal tax policies. Uh, and that's really driven by all the wish lists that they bring in and, and are able to ena- uh, enact in our cities and, you know, in our governments. What happens with these? Uh, you know they sound nice let's let's put up some trolleys let's you know have health care let's you know give people free stuff well what happens after a while you can't pay for it and you know the unintended consequence here is it drives the actual taxpayers out of these cities and what happens then the cities go broke so when you do things on an emotional basis and an emotional plea without looking forward, without gaming out what the risks and consequences could be, you end up with disastrous um, policies and broke cities. And the the last uh, example here I have is is, uh, these draconian lockdowns. What happened with these? Well, those that could uh, either uh, checked out and went to their vacation homes, or they just outright picked up and left. They, They fleed to freer states. Emotional feel-good policy that doesn't look beyond the initial euphoric feeling it might give are doomed to be more harmful than good, as they are not built on any sort of logic or principle that will sustain them over the long term. They're built on emotion and and whims, and as, uh, as that would put it, they're subject to change. People get mad and we'll try the next thing and that placates them for a while till they get mad again. And it just builds and builds and builds until you have a, a complete disaster. And you know, look no further than any Democrat run city that has been run that way for decades and, and what kind of shape they're in. Now, also, we must not forgive or forget 
that during this election cycle, many of our state legisla uh, legislatures and legislators stood by as Democrats trampled our voting laws. Not one of them seemed to stop these mailings of uh, unrequested ballots and the obvious circumventing of voter ID laws. We must not forget, as Atwood notes, that for years, Democrats have chipped away at the language of voting laws, sometimes just a word or two at a time, in order to try and tip the scales in their favor. We must press our elected officials to rectify this by rewriting the laws to be more stringent. We need to require voter ID, period. You need an ID to do everything in life. There's no reason that anyone wouldn't have an ID readily available in order to go and vote. We must not forget that the people on the left hate us and what we stand for. We've endured it for eight years under Obama. Um, I don't think it was as obvious uh, as it is today. Um, there certainly were things in, under the Obama administration that uh, you could tell uh, that they did not like conservatives. I think it was a little more subtle at that time. But once Trump took office, uh, it became front and center, and they came at us full bore with just the vitriol and hatred for uh, the conservatives, our movement, uh, our uh, desire to stand up for constitutional rights, our desire to stand up for freedom and liberty. Um, you know, Trump bore the 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 um, the majority of the. Uh, vitriol and, and hatred from the media, but it's, you know, we've seen it. It's starting to filter down to us with the big tech censorship. The left would rather sit there and name call and utilize emotional pleas rather than actually fix anything or come up with a decent policy that we all could agree on. The reality is their ideas are unmitigated disasters that if they weren't veiled in this shroud of deceit and emotion, uh, emotional pleas to please vote for us, those guys hate you sort of thing, I think very few would actually sign up for those. Very few uh, voters would actually vote for these guys. Until there is an about face within the Democratic Party, for that matter, establishment Republicans, there will be no unity. And yes, I am saying no unity with any Republicans that do not stand up for freedom and liberty, that don't stand for the Constitution, that don't vote to to uh, don't vote for the good of the people. So I'm calling out both Democrats and establishment Republicans here, which I think from that aspect we are starting to see uh, some of those guys get kicked out of office. Hopefully, in the next cycle, we move more of them out of office. We need that. We need to not have any unity with either of them until there's a sincere apology and demonstrated willingness for them to work for the good of the people, not their corporate donors. Until that point, until we see that, until there's demonstrated uh, a demonstrated change in behavior, there will there will be no unity with either of them. 
and kind of sticking with this idea of not forgetting, let's not forget what Rick Klein, the ABC News political director, tweeted, then took down, uh, I believe it was about a week ago or so. You know, really, he's hoping no one saw what he posted. Uh, What he tweeted was this. Getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Funding the movement he commands is going to be something else. That is what these elitist jackasses think of us. That we are something to be cleansed. That we need to be stripped from society. That we need to be locked away and never heard from again. Don't ever forget that. This is what they think of us. Anytime you uh, feel complacency setting in as we're fighting this uphill battle, I want you to remember this tweet. Remember the wording. Remember that Rick Klein said we need to be cleansed. We are nothing more than gum on the bottom of these elitist shoes. To them, we are just something to be cleansed and reprogrammed. Always remember that as we're going through this this uphill battle, this fight to, to preserve our freedom and our liberty. Now, Klein is right in one respect. It won't be easy to make us go away. My next segment here is a reason for optimism. It's from an American greatness piece titled Trump Nation Numbers At Least 150 Million by Edward Ring. Ring notes that the mainstream media is only reporting out the 74 million that voted for Trump. The reality is there is at least 157 million strong in this conservative movement that Trump has started. That would equate to just under half of the country in terms of population. And really, as I looked at the article, I personally think that uh, really that 157 million is a little bit light because he used the most recent general election figures to calculate that 157 million. We all know about the questions surrounding the figures from the general election, so I won't get into rehashing that here. Bottom line here is that we have a much bigger movement than what the left wants to acknowledge and portray in the media. It's part of the reason why they are trying to expunge all of our voices from social media, from the town squares. And it's why the Democrats are trying desperately to impeach President Trump again. They know if they don't do what they can to try and squash this movement, it will consume them. It already has started and already has consumed them to a certain degree. We saw that this year with the massive losses Democrats incurred in the House of Representatives. It's already too late for them, I think. Ring notes that in states where Trump won, the percentage of of the population that is under 18 was 24%. Whereas the states Biden won, that same population demographic accounted for only 22%. Now, this puts to rest the notion that uh, this movement, this conservative movement, is just all the old people voting for Trump. This will have a generational impact. Those numbers there tell me that there's a lot of family types voting uh, for Trump, for a conservative movement. And that gets handed down throughout the family and, and does have that generally, generational impact. 
you know, we're already hearing that Generation Z is the most conservative generation in a while, possibly ever. They will start entering voting age in force in, you know, in, in massive numbers, I would say. There might, there might be a few now that are, are voting, but, you know, in bigger numbers relatively soon here. And that's why there is this rush to censor and this rush to, uh, you know, keep this movement quiet and, and try and discredit it as much as possible. And I think, you know, there's a bit of truth uh, in my next uh, kind of statement here as well in that the movement picks up more converts every day. Now, it's distinctly possible that we may have to endure the next two years of kind of call it a free socialism trial, as if we hadn't had enough in 2020 with, uh, with the COVID stuff. But, you know, we might have to endure that here to convert more people and to convert more, those that just pull the handle for Democrats. But I'm confident we will get those folks on board as well. Deep down, I think, you know, we're all uh, Americans at our core. We have the same values in, in terms of being American. We have the same appreciation for the individualism and exceptionalism of being an American and what makes this country great. There's more and more that are waking up. Unfortunately, I think we've seen more and more waking up as the uh, mass censorship over the past a week or so here, uh, 10 days, call it, since uh, since the Electoral College vote. Um, I think it's it's unfortunately taken that to get more and more to wake up. But it has. It's worked. We have more and more coming uh, to the side of, of truth and liberty every day. You know, we're hearing and seeing now foreign leaders. I just saw, um, I believe it was Mexico's president. Uh, was the most recent one I saw anyway. Uh, speaking out against what is going on with the big tech censorship and the the uh, quieting of conservative and dissenting voices. And even the ACLU is taking a pause here, looking at what's going on and actually doing what they their mission is and standing up for civil liberties, saying that the censorship is a really bad idea. Again, if we organize like we never have before, we keep disciplined in it, and resist our urge as conservatives to slink away because we get to the point where we just want to be left alone, we can inflict real material harm on these elitist companies and politicians. As noted here, we are at least 157 million Americans strong and growing every day. I'll finish up today's show with a legal insurrection piece titled Leave Democrats to Their Own Devices and They Will Screw Themselves Politically Just When They Are at the Height of Their Power by William Jacobson. Now, we've seen some cracks in the ranks of Democrats, whether it be Nancy Pelosi having to scrounge up enough votes to retain her speakership to some of the other moderates uh, that have come forth and, and said they they really aren't on board with some of the policies that are being bantered about here. I'd say the moderate wing of the Democratic Party isn't real pleased with the extreme leftward lurch of the party. Now, one that comes to mind is Joe Manchin. Think of him what you will. I mean, he's at least on record saying he support, doesn't support things like ending the filibuster and court packing. Now, from a long-term strategy view, 
this is smart. He's actually thinking like a conservative here and looking further out in the future as to, you know, maybe gaming it out. I, maybe I'm giving him too much credit here for doing that. But, you know, at the surface with a statement like that, it looks like he's gaming this out and looking at, well, if we get rid of this, what could happen? It's a, you know, short-term gain, but could be long-term term pain for us here. You know, he's he's one of the few Democrats I've seen looking ahead with any foresight. Now, what will remain to be seen is if he ends up in wet noodle territory when push comes to shove on these topics when the votes are uh, called on the Senate floor. Jacobson notes one question that will remain is how much damage will the Dems do before they implode on themselves? Jacobson also notes that what history shows us is that a liberal, blame America first Democratic president urged on by a liberal, blame America first Congress is a prescription for political self-destruction. Now, again, I, how much damage will they do before, you know, we can get uh, control again of, of the House and maybe the Senate in 2022? I've, I've got a show planned to outline all that um, as we look ahead to where we need to be fighting. but. Um, you know, it's, we have to limit the damage, uh, and that's, uh, that's what I think Jacobson's getting at here. He says, leave Democrats to their own devices, and they will screw themselves politically, just as they were, are getting to the height of their power. Now, the case in point here is Obamacare. Uh, the, the, you know, they ran this thing through. They made, everyone, made it so that everyone had to buy insurance whether they wanted to or not. If you didn't, you faced a penalty. They told people they could keep their doctors, when in actuality, many couldn't. And they provided insurance options that were generally unaffordable to a number of people. But you had to buy them anyway or face the penalty. Obamacare, now, was built on nothing more than emotion and want, and not on a solid principle or sound policy. and. Democrats paid the price at the midterms, getting blown out of office. Really, uh, the, you know, that's the Tea Party movement there we're talking about that rose up and, and did that, all in, in response to Obamacare being rammed through. Friends, I believe history is on our side here, but we are going to have to hold the line until those midterms in 2022. We are going to have to be in the ears of our local and state officials constantly to shore up voting laws. We are going to have to press them to, to do more to corral big tech. We are going to have to ensure they challenge any and all federal overreach into states' rights. The states are going to be our sanctuary right now. Uh, some of us are going to have to push harder than others at, at the state level. Or, you know, if, if it comes to it, many have, and I'm sure many more will over the next few years, you might just have to move out of your state if, if there's no hope left for, for flipping it back to good constitutional and conservative values. Given all this, though, we still have reason for optimism. And, and going forward, we will have to remain persistent and disciplined in what we are doing and in our organization. But if history is any indication, in both recent and, you know, further back in, in terms of history, we will be able to overcome, once again, 
and restore our constitutional republic and our freedoms and liberties. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate a positive review if your platform allows reviews. Please subscribe and set up notifications. It'll help us stay connected and help us move up the charts where more people can find the truth. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Please help me spread the truth by sharing my podcast with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. Also, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed to my podcast and signed up for notifications. In this time of social media uncertainty, it will help you stay updated with Living with Liberty. With Parlor Down, I can be found on MeWe by searching at Living with Liberty and on Gab. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.